So over the next six weeks, we're unpacking mission, vision, and, and goals of Twin Oaks Church. We're really excited about this. And let, let, me, let me just begin now by saying, um, I can say this with complete sincerity, that this is not just something that came from this little mind right here. Um, and and, and thank, we're thankful for that. Um, what we're going to unpack over the next six weeks is the product of months and months of prayer and study and conversation among our elder team and among different ministry leaders here in the church and among many, many members of their congregation. This really has, I can say with complete sincerity, this really has been a community effort in putting this together. So um, as we begin, I'm going to give you a kind of a rundown of the next six weeks. Here's how the next six weeks are going to go, God willing. Today we're going to talk simply about our mission statement, okay? Just about the mission statement of our church. Our mission is to inspire people to follow Jesus through loving relationships. And as was stated in the video, I'm not sure if you caught this part, but the way that we believe we will accomplish our mission as a church is by every person experiencing the four L's. Liberate, love, link, and launch. Okay? First, we are liberated through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the foundation of, of who we are and what we do as a church. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, uh, this is kind of his mission statement, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, what? Liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The gospel of Jesus Christ liberates us. It, it frees us and then unites us together as a people and then compels us to love, link, and launch. Starts with liberate. We are compelled to love, link, and launch. We, we love God with our soul, mind, and strength. In other words, this is, this is the worship. We lead lives of worship. And one of the primary ways that we foster that at our church is through our Sunday worship gatherings, what we're doing right here, right now, and our, and our gatherings on Sunday nights with our students. It's here that we come together every Sunday and we express our love for the Lord. We express our worship to God. But it's also here that we spur one another on towards 24-7 lives of worship. Amen? This, and this is a simple obedience to the Scriptures. Hebrews 10 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We love God. And third, we're linked together in gospel-centered community. Uh, you read the scriptures, there are dozens and dozens of what we call one another verses. Um, everything from, I just read one, encourage one another. I've got, I've got one written on my chalkboard where it says, be devoted to one another. The chalkboard just sitting over my desk, it just says, it says, honor one another above yourselves. Serve one another. Forgive one another. Love one another. Bear one another's burden and share one another's joys. And in the individualistic, fast-paced culture of Silicon Valley, the only way this is going to happen, the only way that these one another verses can be obeyed and enjoyed is through an intentional act of creating community. And the way that we do that at Twin Oaks Church is through what we call community groups. Our hope is that every person who calls Twin Oaks Church home is able to enjoy these deep, gospel-centered relationships. And we believe that happens, that can happen through a community group. And then lastly, our last L is launch. We are launched into the world with the love and the message of Jesus Christ. I said it on the video, we say it all the time here, we are saved 
to serve. We are, we are blessed that we might be a blessing. That's the pattern all throughout scriptures. That's the pattern today. We are blessed that we might be a blessing to others. And the way that we do that is through our local and global impact opportunities. That includes everything from House of Grace, which is where we were on Friday night. It was a fantastic evening ministering to those ladies. Uh, we do that through um, our prayer and share, where we literally just walk the streets of our neighborhoods. Uh, we do that the fourth Saturday of every month, and we pray for our neighbors, and we build relationships, and we look for opportunities to share the love and message of Christ. We do that through our DMD, which our DMD is a group of people from this church who get together every week, and we study the scriptures, and we apply it throughout that week. We're out sharing our faith every single week. We do that through our city projects. Our city projects are something that our community groups uh, lead. They, they, uh, one community group per month will, will plan and promote uh, an opportunity, a unique opportunity to bless the city somehow, and it's open for the whole church to participate in. We do that through our missionaries that we support every month. We do that through the church planter training centers that we helped to launch in North Vietnam. We do that through uh, sending out short-term mission trips, which we've got another team leaving just next week. Um, so it, it, we, we are launched into the world through our local and global impact opportunities. Our mission is to inspire people to follow Jesus through loving relationships, and we believe that this will happen as every person experiences four L's. We're liberated by the work of Jesus, Jesus Christ, and we're compelled to love, which we promote through our worship gatherings, linked, we promote that through our community groups, and we're launched, and we do that through our local and global impact opportunities. Are you overwhelmed yet? Because we're just getting going. All right. <laughs> so if that doesn't make sense, that's okay, because what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next four weeks breaking each one of those down, one L per week. Today we're talking about the mission statement. The next four weeks we're going to talk about each of those L's, one per week, and then we're going to finish off our series, God willing, uh, by unpacking the goals underneath our ministries. It's the goal of, follow me here, it's the goal of every ministry at Twin Oaks to create an environment for the Holy Spirit to grow us as followers of Jesus. It's to create an environment for the Holy Spirit to grow us as followers of Jesus. Notice the wording. We're, we're simply environment creators. I can't grow you. You can't even grow you. Okay? I can't grow me. It's the Holy Spirit that brings the growth. At least that's what the scriptures say. You know, Paul, Paul says, you know, we can plant the seed, we can sell the soil, we can water it, but ultimately it's the Lord that brings the growth. All we are is in, in, in environment creators. So what we've done is what we have adopted a list of what we believe are the primary catalysts or the primary environments that the Holy Spirit uses to grow us as followers of Jesus. I'm just going to list these off really quick. Practical teaching, providential relationships, private disciplines, pivotal circumstances, personal ministry, and proclaiming the gospel. We believe these are the primary ways that the Holy Spirit grows us. These are the primary environments that the Holy Spirit uses to grow us as followers of Jesus. And therefore, Every one of our ministries will be striving to promote one or more of these environments within their ministry. Now, I know it's a whole lot of information I gave you, and I'm not going to give you any more detail than that because we're going to talk about that all week six. Now, you see why it's going to take us six weeks to go through this, right? Um, this has been the product of months and months of conversation. We've got our mission statement, our vision, and our goals. So, if you're still with me, we're going we're to put the brakes on, we're going to back up, and let's talk about... Uh, what, what we need to talk about today. Let's talk about our mission statement. And before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, um, we thank you again for the, the gift of this church. We thank you for your presence here with us today. We thank you, God, for your presence over the last 15 plus years. You've done so many neat things in and through this church. 
um, and we are so grateful that you would choose to have a relationship with, with us, that you would bind us together as a church, and that you would see fit to use us as instruments for your glory. Um, God, we, we thank you for the fruit that we've seen over the last 15 years, and God, we are looking forward to see, seeing what you are going to do in the years to come. We just submit ourselves to you, and as we prayed at the beginning, may your kingdom come and your will be done in Twin Oaks as it is in heaven. Would you have your way? Would you reign as king? Would you help us to submit to you? Lord, I just pray that you would bring clarity, uh, that you would compel us, Lord, as, as we uh, uh, st- talk about these things and we, we wrestle through our, our, our direction and our vision. I pray, God, that you would bless our conversation. You, you'd bring clarity to every heart, and you'd help us, Lord, as we march forward. Be with us. We ask for your presence, by your power, and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, and by the way, I see a handful of new people uh, that are visiting with us today, and this is, this is not a, uh, a normal, I guess, Sunday morning for us. Uh, normally, we, we take a passage of Scripture, and we just kind of unpack it and, and explore it, and then we try to apply it to our lives. Um, today is going to be a little bit different. We really, we're trying to look at the DNA of who we are as a people. So if you're visiting us, this is a great opportunity to get to know us, to get to know what we're about and what makes us tick. Um, so I'd encourage you, grab those About Us booklets. And uh, read through that, flip through that sometime this afternoon, not now because I'm about to talk at you, all right? Um, take, you know, take that, and, and again, you'll be able to see a bit more about who we are as a church. Um, if any of these things strike you as bizarre, um, whether you're a long-term member here or a you know, new person here, if anything strikes you as bizarre or you've got questions, I do hope that you would come and you'd uh, grab me after the service and we could chat about some of these things and I can help maybe bring some clarification. Um, that being said, let's dive in. As I mentioned, after much prayer and conversation, we believe that our mission as a church is to inspire people to follow Jesus through loving relationships. Every word in that statement is significant and was was thought through and prayed over. I'm going to break it down for you. We exist to inspire. We chose the word inspire in part because of the largeness of the word. Okay? The lar- I'm not sure if that's a word, but I'm going to use it. The largeness of the word. We, we don't just tell people to follow Jesus. We don't just show people how to follow Jesus. We don't just pray that they will follow Jesus. It's all of the above, right? Um, let me just read you a few passages of Scripture that show this is just kind of a sampling of the diversity of ways that we are to point people to Jesus, to act as witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. Romans 10, we use this one a lot. We, uh, we point people to Jesus through our words. Uh, Paul says, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So one way that we do this, we point people to Jesus through our words, what we say. But secondly, we point people to Jesus with the purity and the beauty of our new lives in Christ. Jesus, this came, out of his, this came from uh, his uh, mouth. Matthew 5, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And then thirdly, we, we point people to Jesus through a demonstration of the power of the Spirit that is in us and among us as believers. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we think the word inspire is appropriate. First, because of the largeness of the word. 
There's another reason we chose it, though. There's another reason we think the word inspire is appropriate. Here's the definition of the word inspire. It is to affect, guide, or arouse by what? Divine intervention. Divine intervention. Ultimately, it is not me or you that convince people to follow Jesus. God is the one who woos people to himself. We are merely the tools that he wields. We are merely his hands and feet. We are merely the mouths from which he speaks. The psalmist said, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. It's the Lord who builds the house. Or as Paul said, thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. I love that verse. According to that verse, look close. Do you see who it is that truly spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ? Who is it? It's God. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. It's God who spreads it. How does he do it? Through us. We exist to inspire, which means to affect, guide, or arouse in every way possible by divine intervention. Okay, so we exist to inspire, but we exist to inspire people. People. Um, again, we like the word people because of the, the largeness of the word. It's not we, we exist to inspire that kind of people or this kind of people. We exist to inspire people. What's implied there is all people. Uh, 1 Timothy 2 says, God our Savior desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's not just the rich. It's not just the poor. It's not just those in the first world or in the third world. It's not just the moral nor the immoral. It's men, women, children, Everywhere, God desires all people to be saved. Peter said it like this. He said, the Lord is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Therefore, friends, we will not be a church that caters to a certain race, or uh, we, we will not be a church that caters to a certain age, and we will not be a church that caters to a certain rung on the socioeconomic ladder. We will not be that church. God desires that all people be saved and know the truth. Therefore, we desire that all people are saved and know the truth. Amen? We exist to inspire people, all people. We exist to inspire people to follow Jesus. Why do we choose those words? Well, because those are the words that Jesus chose. Those are the words that Jesus used. All throughout the Gospels, if you read them, you're going to see people coming to Jesus and, and, and going, you know, asking their spiritual questions and, and looking for some spiritual direction. And Jesus responds over and over with this simple invitation. He says, follow me. Well, what does he mean by that? We've got to camp here for a minute because this is important. There's something implicit in, in follow me. There's something implied there. Follow me means leaving the spot where you are and, and walking towards Jesus and with Jesus. You actually have to leave where you are and walk towards Jesus if you're going to follow him. To follow Jesus means you have to walk away from where you are today and walk towards him and with him. Jesus says it real bluntly in Luke 9. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Um, the Greek word that we translate there as, as life, when Jesus says, uh, whoever loses his 
life for my sake will save it. The Greek word that we translate as life there is psyche. It means self. It means your, your, your inner life, the very core of who you are, your very identity. He's saying that we need to walk away from our old identity and, and walk towards him and we'll find a new identity in him. That's why so many people in the Gospels, when they understood what Jesus was asking of them, walked away from him instead of towards him. Because they recognized what he was saying. He's saying if, if you want to be free, you have to loosen your grip on all of those things that you're clutching, those things that you're holding on to that, that you think are going to save you, that you think are going to justify you and give you significance and value and make you whole. you got to let go of them. You have to walk away from them. Remember, follow me means you have to actually leave where you are and walk towards Jesus. You have to walk away from those things and place your faith in me. Stop placing your faith in those things and place your faith in me. I'll redefine you. I'll give you a new identity. He makes us an entirely new creature. So the question we have to ask is, you know, in that day when Jesus was physically there, he said, come follow me. Literally, they dropped their nets and they walked after him. Okay? That's, that's nice. That's nice and simple. We actually literally physically walk after him. What do we do today? How do we follow Jesus today? How do we turn our back on, the, 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 on our idols and the things that, are, uh, are, that are, we're clutching onto as our gods? And how do we walk toward Jesus? Here's how I think we do it. Uh, we do it by holding out empty hands. And I'll explain what I mean. But we do it by holding out empty hands. It's when we hold out empty hands that we can receive from Christ freely our forgiveness, our freedom, and a new identity. See, the picture of an empty hand is, is really uh, helpful because the picture of an empty hand shows that we've emptied our hands of everything else. You can't hold out empty hands if you're still clutching onto things. I'll illustrate it like this. I, I read a study that, um, about some primate specialists that were uh, studying chimps. And, and they were studying how the chimps would reason through desire and logic. And what they did was they put these chimps into this room and they put a barrier in the room. And on just on the other side of the barrier, they put a bunch of food. And in the barrier, they, they cut a little hole just large enough for the, the chimp's open hand to fit through, but, but it wasn't large enough for a fist to, to go through. So the chimp could put his open hand through the hole, but as soon as he grabbed the food, his, you know, his hand was made into a fist, he couldn't pull it back. It's terrible, right? I'm not condoning the study. I'm just telling you what they did. All right? So they, 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 he gripped the food, and, then they could, and, they, and the chimp couldn't figure out how to get his hand back. Okay? Um, the chimp had to realize... That the only way that they could be free, because they're stuck, they're in bondage. The only way that they could be free again is if they let go of the object of their desire. If they let go, they could be free again. You see the parallel? How often are we so chimp-like, right? If, if, if we, we, we experience all this frustration, if we just let go of the objects of our desire, if we let go of these things that are, in, that are keeping us trapped, it's only as we release the idols that we are clutching that we can be free and our hands will now be empty and ready to receive the treasures of Christ, receive our new identity. You with me? To follow Jesus first means walking away from our idols, letting them go, no longer placing our faith in other things or other people. The biblical terminology, to repent of our sin. That's what the Bible says. We are to repent of our sin. And here's the good news. 1 John chapter 1 says that if we confess our sins, if we repent of those sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God for that. 
If we confess our sins, if we repent, if we walk away from our sins, he will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us from all. That's our new identity. We're clean. We're pure. We're beautiful. And, and, and by the way, I, I know we're going to camp here for a minute. I, I'm not trying to move away from this, but I think it's important for us to understand that verse because this, this is so critical to understanding how we follow Jesus. Have you ever thought about 1 John 1.9? That's a popular verse. Have you ever really taken some time and thought through that? How can he be faithful and just to forgive us? Isn't that a weird, isn't those weird words to, to choose? Like, how can somebody be just to forgive? Justice and forgiveness seem so contrary to one another. They seem so opposite of one another. How can he be just and forgiving? If he would have chosen, you know, mercy or grace, like mercy means not getting what we deserve. Not being punished when we deserve to be punished. Grace means getting what we don't deserve, like the, the free gift. Either of those would have worked great, okay? He, he, is, he is faithful and merciful to forgive, or he is faithful and gracious to forgive. But what John said was he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is he meaning? Can I, after a, a whole lot of uh, thought, through, I, can I tell you what I think he means? This is pretty profound. Um, first off, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. Isaiah tells us that our sins separate us from a holy God. Uh, Paul says that the wages of our sin, the payment for our sin, is death, separation from God. But we know that Jesus Christ came into the world for that very purpose. He said out of his own lips, he said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus Christ came and he went to the cross to satisfy the demands of justice, to pay the penalty for our sins. He, he was separated. Our sins separated. He was separated in our place. He was forsaken on the cross and the penalty was paid in full. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And three days later, he rose again from the dead, proving that the payment had been made in full. Now, with that in mind, go back to our verse in 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, if we walk away, if we repent of our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you place your faith in the person and work of Jesus, then for God to demand more payment for your sin would actually be unjust. You follow me? It would be unjust for, uh, for God not to forgive you. Do you see the security and the assurance now that as we confess our sin to God, that the security and assurance we can have as we do that, that God will forgive because he is a just God. He is faithful and he is just to forgive because the payment has been made in full. We should be cheering at that. Go ahead. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, that, that is unbelievable news. That changes everything. That changes everything. The payment has been made in full. That's why Jesus cried out on the cross. It is finished. That's the best news in the world. To follow Jesus means that we move from the point we are today. We, we, we lose our old identity. We come to Jesus, and through his life, death, and resurrection, we find forgiveness and acceptance with him, and then he gives us that new identity. Second Peter 1 describes it. P Peter says, we are made, we are now, those who are born again, we are made partakers of the divine nature. That means that God has made his home in our heart. And he, he begins, as Paul says, to conform us to the image of Jesus. We begin to live 
like he lived. We begin to love like he does. We begin to serve like he does. And Jesus just spurs us on with all of these teachings we find in the gospel. He tells us to be holy as he is holy. He, he tells us that, he says, a new command I give you to love one another. And then he even gives us the qualification to, to the degree that we are to love one another. He says, love one another as I have loved you. He says in John 13, he says, I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. To follow Jesus means this. We walk away from our idols. We come to Jesus. We find forgiveness and acceptance through his blood. And then we are given a new life. And as, as Paul says, we are now imitators of Christ. If you are born again, if you are a Christian today, that's you. You are now an imitator of Christ. So how do we do that as a church? How do we inspire people to follow Jesus? That's the question, right? How do we inspire people to follow Jesus? Here's how I think we do it. I've told you guys before about the opportunity I had last year to meet uh, a man that I really looked up to, uh, a, a pastor from Dallas, Texas. Um, there was years ago, I was just going through a really a difficult season of life. I was experiencing a lot of doubts and questions, had a lot of discouragements. And, and this man's sermons that I was just podcasting, he's a guy in Texas, um, really just did wonders for my soul. Just really built me up. And uh, I remember thinking five years ago, man, if I just ever met this guy, I just want to say thank you for the way that he ministered to me from, you know, half a country away. Um, just his faithfulness in, in preparing those sermons and, and being, a, you know, faithful to God's word. Um, and I thought, but I'll never meet the guy. Well, last year I was at a conference and I saw him standing in the back of the conference. And so I walked up to him and I did just that. I just said, thank you. And I, I told him a little bit about my story and, and where we were as a church. And, and so I asked him right at, right at the very end, uh, maybe you remember uh, what he said here, but I asked him, you know, very quickly, what advice would you give to a young pastor, a bit inexperienced and a bit insecure, you know, who wants to have a fruitful ministry? What, what, what advice would you give? And this is what he said, and I quote, and by the way, this isn't just for me. The reason I say this today is because I think this is great marching orders for us. I think this is how we inspire people to follow Jesus. This is what he said, and I quote, lay low and exalt Christ. That's it. We lay low and exalt. We get out of the way and we lift Jesus up. That's how we, that's how we inspire people to follow Jesus. If, if we want to see our friends and our family members and our neighbors follow Jesus, we lift Jesus up with all that we are. We proclaim in everything his beauty and his glory and his sufficiency that he is worthy uh, to be trusted in, to have faith, to hope in. In our words, in our actions, in our relationships, in the way that we spend our time, the way that we spend our money, in the way that we walk through suffering, in the way that we handle criticism, in the way that we work, in the way that we uh, uh, you know, handle promotions and handle failures, in the way that we parent our kids, in the way that we treat our spouses, in everything, we lift Christ up. We trust him. We obey him. We serve him. We have a, a peace that surpasses understanding that people just look at us and they say, look at the freedom that person walks in. Look at the joy that they have regardless of what's going on in the external. That just people should sit and stare and just be curious. What is up with it? They just sit in, in back and wonder about us. We want people to follow Jesus. That's how we do it. In every area, we get out of the way and we lift up Jesus. Amen? We exist to inspire people to follow Jesus. We exist to inspire people to follow Jesus through loving relationships. As we were putting this statement together, we really wanted to have something that was really personal and unique to our church family. Um, and we all agree that Twin Oaks, all the way from day one, I'm told, 
um, has been a church that is uniquely marked by loving relationships. Um, I know this was our experience as a family. Uh, when we came and visited this church four years ago, um, we were just overwhelmed by the, the hospitality and the, and the welcome that we received. And I, I believe that same spirit of hospitality and love is present here four years later. Would you agree with that? Um, and now note a couple things here. We both inspire people through loving relationships, and we follow Jesus through loving relationships. You see it? We inspire people through loving relationships, and we follow Jesus through loving relationships. Let's look how, first at how we inspire people through loving relationships. The perfect case study of this uh, comes all the way back at the first church. Um, we have this profound description of the early church in Acts 2, and, and we see not only uh, the, the love that was embodied there, but also the, the fruit that was born out of that. Uh, this is what it says in Acts 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God. And then look, look at what was the fruits of the loving relationships within that church. They had favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay, um, Very, very similarly, in, in his book, Center Church, Tim Keller uh, talks about, he describes the embodiment of love within the early church in the first few centuries and the impact that it had on the Roman world. L listen to what he uh, observed. He says, the early Christians did not engage much in public preaching. It was too dangerous. There are practically no evangelists or missionaries whose names we know. The early Christians had no mission boards. They did not write treatises about evangelism, and yet the church was growing. Prominent people scorned it. Neighbors discriminated against the Christians in countless petty ways. It was hard to be a Christian, and still the church grew. Why? Well, there is a strong historical case that Christians' lives their concern for the weak and the poor, their integrity in the face of persecution, their economic sharing, their sacrificial love even for their enemies, and the high quality of their common life together attracted non-believers to the gospel. Once non-believers were attracted to the community by the lives of Christians, they became open to talking about the gospel truths that were the source of this kind of life. We inspire people through loving relationships, but we also follow Jesus through loving relationships. As, as you and I strive to follow Jesus in our everyday life, we were meant to do that together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks all about how when we become Christians, we are made members of Christ's body. This means a couple things. Number one, it means that we belong to one another. But secondly, it also means that we need one another if we are to function properly. He did not design us to walk independently, but interdependently. As a Christian, you are not now independent. You are interdependent. In, in, in Jesus' long prayer in John 17, he, he prays for our unity and our togetherness. He, he prays to the Father. He says, that they may be one, Father, as you and I are one. Christ, Christ prayed this. This was his desire for us as a church, that, that, that we would have that same quality of relationship with one another that, that he shares with the Father. Christian community is nothing but a gift from God. 
It's a gift from God. The psalmist said, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is. It's not just something that we need. It's something that we get. It's something that's to be enjoyed. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said something similar. He said, it is grace. Remember, grace means a gift. It is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. So today we, we echo Paul's plea to the church in Philippi where he says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, listen, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. We exist to inspire people to follow Jesus through loving relationships. I believe, I believe with all my heart that this is God's uh, calling for our church. This is what God has called us to as a church family. And here's the question that I'd like you to consider today. Am I ready and willing to say yes? Am I ready and willing to commit to this mission? Are you ready to be part of a community that exists to inspire people to follow Jesus through loving relationships? And listen, for the last couple of years, if we're real honest, uh, we've kind of been like a bus uh, driving around without our sign lit up saying where we're going. All right, um, We've been kind of just driving around, and it hasn't been stated clearly where we've been heading. Some of you may have hopped on the bus thinking, okay, we're going over here, and then we landed over here, and you're like, wow, that was different than I expected. Right? There's been a little bit of frustration as we're going here, and then we're here, and then we're here. My hope is that this series is going to bring some clarity as to where we believe God is pointing us to go. We're lighting up the sign. Okay? The sign's being lit up. Maybe you're ready to jump on. I hope you are. Um, if you are ready to say yes and be a part of what we believe God is doing in this church and through your church, um, I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, we've, we've created this canvas over here to my right, your left, uh, and it's got our mission statement on it. And uh, if and when you are ready to say yes and you're ready to commit yourself to this mission, after this service, what I want to invite you to do is come and there's some Sharpies up right here on the front. What, you want, what I want to have you do is just come and grab and sign your name on that canvas. I don't think I need to remind you uh, that signing your name to something is kind of a big deal. It's not something to be taken lightly. Um, so I, I may, we're going to have this up here for six weeks as we, as we go through this. There's no rush. I, I'd actually encourage you, maybe go home and pray about it and talk with your family. Um, let's be, be serious about the, the commitments that we're making. But if the Lord leads as a symbol of our, our covenant and our unity together in this direction as a church, let's, let's sign our name and, and, uh, and uh, covenant ourselves to the mission of the church. Twin Oaks Church exists to inspire people to follow Jesus through loving relationships. And might I just add one final postscript to that, by his power and for his glory. Amen? Let's pray.